Welcome back to another episode of Important Miscellaneous Talks. I'm your host, Glassford Crossfield, and we are changing the world one podcast at a time. Our wonderful guest, please introduce yourself. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Maxi Menace. Explain what you do for the people who don't know. I mean, I do. I, I invest in real estate, um, you know, all uh, throughout the country. Our main market here is in Arizona, uh, but we do buy deals nationwide. Gotcha. So what's what's the best way to get into real estate? Um, you know, I got into real estate, uh, I want to say about seven years ago. And one of the easiest way, um, or simpler way, right? It's not easy because anytime that you do business, um, it's, it's wholesaling real estate, right? And the reason why you want to start wholesaling real estate, because it requires little, I don't want to say zero capital, but little to minimal capital. Um, mostly you can do deals by relationship. Um, and basically what wholesaling is, is that you're getting the property under contract and then you're assigning that contract to an actual buyer and then you get paid a fee in the middle. So that's the simplest way to get into real estate. And obviously you start to grow from there and you start to go into other realms of real estate. Mm -hmm. what, what do you want to get to uh, real estate? Oh, you're foggy. Your audio is foggy. Yeah, repeat yourself, please. No, I was asking, like, what made you want to get into real estate? Is it a, a passion that you always had, or just something that you acquired? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, it's like everybody, right? We all want to be entrepreneurs, uh, or not all, sorry. A lot of us that want to be entrepreneurs, the biggest challenge that we have is we don't know what that vehicle is, right? Before real estate, um, you know, I didn't, uh, I, I tried a lot of businesses. I tried yard selling. I, I would buy product by wholesale, go out and yard sell. I tried opening my own business. Uh, I tried many things. Uh, sales has always been a passion of mine. And the reason why real estate is because uh, I had a friend of mine that was doing real estate, flipping homes. And I saw the freedom that he got from, you know, that, that, that came out of that doing real estate. And, uh, but my idea was like, you gotta have money. You gotta have, you know, like everything, you know, it requires capital. And I happened to run into an article uh, in 2015 that talked about wholesaling. And I just made up my mind, like, this is the vehicle, right? This is my way to get in, into the game. And this is the, that I'm gonna take it and run with it. Um, and I just chose it as my vehicle and, and I put the passion behind it, right? And I put the drive for sure. So can you please, again, define wholesaling and sure. the best way people can get into it? Yeah. So wholesaling real estate, what it is, is basically it involves a lot of marketing. You can get deals through relationships. Right. And what it is, is that you find a, a you find you find a homeowner that's on that's in a distressed situation. Now, those distressed situations could be uh, somebody that's, you know, in foreclosure. These are the most common ones. Someone that's in foreclosure, somebody that inherited a property. Right. Let's say that. And maybe they don't want to have two properties because they don't want to pay two property taxes. Uh, maybe a property has been vacant for over X amount of time, right? So what you do is you reach out to these homeowners and because of the situation, right, the, the stress that's happening, um, they're typically are more lenient to sell at a discount. So basically what that means is that if the property selling for a hundred thousand, you know, in the market, let's say listing with the real estate agent, what happens is that um, they're not going to be able to sell that property for that amount because it's going to either a require repairs, right? Because it's, it, it hasn't been, it, it could require repairs. Uh, maybe they want to just close really quick. They, maybe they want to, 
you know, choose their own closing day. They don't want to show the property to anybody. So then we come in as as an investor and we use the strategy wholesaling. We'll, we'll make them an offer, right? So if the property is worth a hundred. We make them an offer at fifty thousand or sixty thousand or seventy thousand. We get a significant discount. Now I'm going to go to Prince and I'm going to say, Prince, I have a deal. Uh, the deal's worth a hundred thousand. I have it for sixty. He doesn't know that. I'm going to sell it to him for sixty-five, right? I'm not selling the property, but I'm going to get the contract because now I have the rights. I have equitable title to that property, and I'm going to flip that paper to Prince for five thousand dollars. You see what I'm saying? So, and then Prince is going to close on it. He's going to fix it up and potentially sell it for one ten. Right? I don't know. Whatever that market, whatever the market is, calls for once he done once when he once he is done doing the repairs. It's almost like day trading houses, basically arbitrage. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that word or not. Um, and that's a really easy way to, to, to get into real estate. And all it requires is like a two to three page contract. Got you. Okay, so you can get into that space with uh, little to no money. Or yeah, drive down your street. Drive down your street and look at the house that sticks out like a sore thumb. Sore thumb, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, sore thumb. And you're like... What's going on with this house? Like, you know, and you, you can either A, get off, knock on the door, talk to your neighbor, right? Uh, and say, hey, do you know what's going on with that property? Because I'm interested in, you know, I might be potentially interested in buying, clean up the neighborhood. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, that the, the, you don't need, then that's zero marketing dollars there, right? So that's why I said it's very minimal, maybe sometimes even zero. I mean, my first deal, I spent zero on marketing, right? It was through a relationship. I bought, a, I got a condo. Uh, through my where my wife worked, one of her coworkers, um, you know, she, she had the condo was vacant for two years, and um, it was it was trash because they they took it all apart because they thought they were going to rehab it and and sell it, you know, fix it up, and they never did. They left it like that. What about credit? Does credit have to be in good standing? No, no, you don't need. So here's the thing with wholesaling is you don't need credit, you don't need cash, and you don't need uh you don't need uh basically, uh what is the other thing? Um, you just need, you need, just need to have a good network. That's it, right? You gotta you gotta have a good buyer's list. Uh, you gotta network with people that are already potentially established. So that way, you know, you don't just want to get it under contract. You want to complete the transaction and get paid, right? Getting under contract is, tech, is is technically the easier part, but definitely don't need any credit or cash. What are some of the good? What what are the what are some of the misconceptions that people have about uh, real estate? Misconceptions? Yeah. What are yeah misconceptions? Um, you mean like like uh, like the average person, general population, like yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously when when because it all comes down to are you solving somebody's problem, right? Um, you know, most times they look at investors as you know somebody that's you know, that's profiting from a situation where, you know, like taking advantage, right? You're taking advantage of people. You're buying a property uh, at a very low margin. And what happens is you fix that property up and you're selling at a very high margin. So a lot of people think that, you know, that's wrong. Um, you know, as far as the investment side, real estate in general is very broad. Like we could sit here all day, right? And look at all of the different, you know, fa facets of real estate. But as far as the, inv the investment side, people look at it as, you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, what is it called? A, a business where, you know, it's all for profit. And when you actually get into it, um, you're actually helping a lot of people. If you look at our website, we have 
lot, I mean, we have a lot of Google reviews from people we help because who would, I mean, if, if I wasn't doing what I was doing and I knowing what I know now, if my aunt, my mom, my grandma, whoever was going through a situation, I have people who have told me, some investors have said like, if I knew a wholesaler when I was going through my bankruptcy, when I was going through, when I lost my house, um, I would have sold my house to a wholesaler. But, you know, for the for the most part, I think uh, our business does give a bad because of the profit profitability. Right. Um, you know, you can make quite a bit of money in our business. So, you know, you know how it is um, when it comes to the general population. You know, that's they, they don't they don't think the mindset is not there to look at it as a as you're actually providing a solution for for your neighborhood. Yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when doing real estate? Yeah, um, you know, some there's a couple of things. I mean, the first one is getting over leverage. I mean, that's really a big one. So what I mean by that is that as you move in your career and as you move up into uh, is as you move up and you scale your business, you can scale too fast. Right. Sometimes scaling too fast can actually uh, put you behind and, and you can shut your business down. Uh, that's a huge mistake that I see. Um, you know, it, it's a thing where you have to, and then the other thing, there's so many shiny objects that, cause real estate is so broad, right? Like wholesaling is just one facet. You got, you know, buy and holds, you have commercial, you have all these things and staying focused to not, not, not get distracted by all the, all the shiny objects. That's a huge mistake that I see. And the biggest one that I see is people fall in love with the end result and not the process, Right. Yeah. Where they see the end result, they see the you say see what you're already what what somebody that's taken five, ten years to accomplish, they fall in love with that, but they don't fall in love with the process of what happened between the, uh, year one to that to get to that year to that fifth year or that tenth year when they get that success. So, so when it comes to to real estate, like you said, is is very broad. Which mm-hmm. would you say is more lucrative in a sense of? You know, you can Airbnb a property or you can get a fixer upper or you could be a homeowner and rent to tenants like which which are, are all those lucrative or is one more than the. That's a good question, actually, man. Um, I love that question because they're, they're all pretty, pretty lucrative. Right. And the thing is that you always have to analyze where you are in your business because um if you want to be, and, and, and what is it that you want for yourself? What vision do you have for yourself, right? Do you want to be a transactional investor? Uh, and what that means is that, do you want to be somebody that just goes from one fix and flip to another, from one fix and flip, right? Like, where's the next deal? Where's the next, or do you want to be a passive investor where you do buy rentals, right? I just want to buy, you know, 10, I want to buy, you know, one rent, five rentals a year or whatever, uh, including an Airbnb, like you mentioned, and I just want to sit back and I want to have that cash flow come in. I don't want to deal with, you know, repairs and, and all that stuff. So it all depends what you want at the end of the day. Right. Um, I know Airbnbs are crushing it right now. I mean, I know people who, are, who have a lot of Airbnbs and it's it's a it's very lucrative if you can do it right. And you and you buy the, the, the right property, right location, um, you can make a lot of money. But. Um, you know, again, it just depends where you are in your business. We do all, all, all every every single one of those. We wholesale, we fix and flip rentals, um, and we have the infrastructure for it as well, right? Uh, but it's all a matter of what you want. There's really no right or wrong answer on that part. So, when it comes to that, what are your thoughts on uh, have having a property management? Because I know some owners or, or some people that are 
into real estate, they rather do everything themselves and hire mm-hmm. this and fix that or yeah. have pretty manager set and they get a percentage. Yeah. You know, uh, for me, and again, this goes back to depending where you are, right, in your career. Uh, I know a guy here in Phoenix that owns 150 single family homes and he manages himself, right? Which is crazy to me. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> There's no way that I would do that. I would definitely would be having a property manager, but he likes going every single month door to door, picking up a check. I mean, that's what he loves doing. Um, but, you know, um, for me personally, I would I would uh, definitely start with uh, uh, getting a, a property management. Um, I just don't see myself like managing them myself. I'm not that structured. I'm not that organized. Uh, um, I'm always on the go and I'm always, uh, you know, on the move. And I just wouldn't have time. But for somebody like him who likes that, you know, it, it, it's, it's good for him. I, I just wouldn't. Um, but I get it all depends. It's very subjective, honestly, on that on that one. Mm, OK. If you if you can go back and start over, what was the num- what is the number one thing that you would do in real estate? Oh, man. Uh, network. You know, it, it's very true. Right. A lot of us hear that. Right. Your network is your net worth. And a lot of times we don't understand like how powerful that is. Right. It sounds great and it looks good on a post on Instagram. But when you actually do it. Yeah. When you actually do it, it's very powerful. And I didn't do that very well when I first started. And now that I've been doing this for as long as I've been doing it, that's really what's launched and slingshot my career. It's not by myself. It's not 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 networking. Um, you know, just in the last year and a half, we've been able to, you know, uh, triple our business just from networking different masterminds and 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 talking to different people. And it took me a long time to learn that. And, you know, I, if, if I had to redo it again and, and, and that's what I would do is, is network as fast as possible and, uh, you know, as much as I could be at every event, be at every, you know, reaching out, touching people, proximity, man, is powerful. So, oh, yeah. Well, I guess to answer it, because I was going to say when it comes to networking, where, where are the best places or what are the best places? So I would assume things like conventions or, you know, things of that sort. Yeah, yeah. Those are good. Those are good. You know, you get a general sense of the bigger picture, right? The bigger. And then you what you want to do is you want to figure out go go a little bit smaller so you can actually be more in, more intimate um uh, what is it called the uh, workshops as well uh smaller uh, venues smaller meetups you know if you go to meetup.com uh, you'll be able to find a lot of these a lot of these meetups so they're a lot smaller so you're able to you know again proximity is very powerful the larger events are great for educational purposes but if and you could meet people i'm not saying you can't uh, but the smaller meetups the smaller network uh workshops that's where you're going to meet somebody that's going to help you slingshot your career because it's more intimate. You know, you get to ask questions, spend a lot more time with people. Got you. <clears throat> what are some of your best selling tactics? Nice, nice. There we go. I love. Now we're going where I love. <laughs> uh, so one of the so as far as tactics, I mean, for me, I'm all about you know ask. My number one thing is that, you know, I like to establish, I, we, I like to do what we call establish the rules, right? And basically what establishing the rules is, you know, you guys, I don't know if you guys played sports, but when I played baseball, right, when I was younger, there's a thing that the, the, the umpire, umpires would do. They would meet in the middle of the plate, right, at home plate. And the reason why they would do that is because they, all parks are different, right? None of the, none of the baseball parks, anywhere you play, right, whether it's football field, 
what they do is they meet and they say, hey, if this hits here, that we're going to call that a home run. If this happens here, we're going to call that a base hit. Same thing, right? If you see that this, this guy gets tackled this way, let's all agree that that's going to be a foul. And so they're establishing the rules to the game. So that's one of the tactics that I like using when I'm talking to sellers is I'm letting the seller know, like, uh, I asked them, like, do you mind if I share with you a little bit how we work? And then I'll establish the rules with them and let them know, like, in order for me to find out, like, if I need, in order for me to find out this is a house that I'm going to buy, I'm going to have to ask you a few questions. So I'm going to be even personal. Is that okay? So I started to get permission to ask them questions. I let them know that I don't buy every single house. I let them know, like, hey, at the end, at the end of this call or at the end of this appointment, uh, I tell them as well that it's going to be either a yes or a no, right? I'm letting them know and I'm establishing the rules of how the appointment's going to go. That's one strategy, one tactic that we use. It works really well. Um, the second one is is basically figuring out who the decision makers are, right? Um, you know, a, a way to do that is not to use the word decision makers. A lot of times, what happens is, I mean, what other industry uses what other industry uses the word decision makers more than others is sales. So the last thing you want to come across as is an individual that sounding like a regular salesperson. So we just ask questions like, hey, who else has input? Who else has veto power? Who else do you take advice from? Your brother, your sister? Is there a pastor that you talk to? Is there maybe an attorney that you that you confide in, right? When you're making a transaction that we need to talk to? Because you know when it, you know, you guys, I don't know if you fellows are married, but somebody asked me, like, who's the decision maker? Why make the decisions, right? Mostly the guys always say that. <laughs> And, and what happens is you find out later that you have a wife or you have somebody else that's in play. So those are two big tactics that we use, you know, to make sure that, you know, we're not, we're establishing the rules and we're making sure that we're talking to all the parties involved, especially when it comes to buying real estate, man. That's, they only do that maybe once or twice in a, in a lifetime. Are you from Phoenix? Mm-hmm. Are you a Diamondbacks fan? I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Mets fan. Are you? Nice. Yeah, we just. Uh, I see you got the Laker Kobe in the back, man. Yeah, I'm a Lakers fan as well. It's I'm from New York. That's the only other uh, out of town team that I like. Oh, legendary! That's dope. Yeah, yeah. So my my sales coach is actually he's a big 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 Lakers fan, and I got a Kobe's. Uh, I have his. Uh, here, let me show you real quick. I printed this out. I don't know if you can see that or not, but it's one of the Kobe's quote. So what I'm going to do is hang that up and put that under, under that. So greatness has a cost. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I'm a big Kobe fan. I like Kobe. I like what he did, his work ethic and all that, but Suns, Suns fan die hard though. You guys are good. Yeah. Now you guys are good. Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. They're playing good. We'll see. We'll see. We got to win one more game now. Yeah. Sure. How, I'm sorry. How long have you been a Diamondbacks fan? I mean, I'm from I, I I'm from Arizona, pretty much technically. So you were there for all the ups and downs, okay? Um, yeah, I was there when they won the World Series. Right. If now it's just they're bad now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, real, real bad, real. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so what what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from sales? Um, you know, I think sales 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 can teach us can teach everyone something, you know, there's a book called sell or be sold by Grant Cardone. I'm not a big fan of Grant Cardone, but that book specifically is really, really good. What I like about that book is that what it, what it says is that uh, everything in life is sales, whether you're, when, whether you're trying to convince, you know, your, your significant other to do something for you, whether a parent's trying to convince their son to go to college, 
whether the call it, whether the son is trying to convince the dad to buy him something, everything is sales in life, right? Now, when you, if you decide to pursue a career in sales, the next thing that it's going to teach you, I mean, what I've learned, because I've been training sales, uh, I've been sales training professionally now since 2018. And honestly, the education that I got through my sales training, there's no, there's no MBA, there's no bachelor that can match it, right? Because we learn communication skills, we learn people skills, uh, we learn critical thinking skills. Uh, so, I mean, man, it's a, it's a, it's definitely life-changing. It's uh it exposes you to a lot of things and it opens up a lot of doors that, there are, that I don't think any, any, uh, any, uh, you know, like I said, MBA bachelor's master's can match. What are some of the, the most important tactics when negotiating? Um, so I think the first one is not, don't, don't go to price too soon. Right. Mm. A lot of people make the mistake to go to price too soon without finding out first, you know, uh, if there's a, we call it pain, right? Motivation. If you want to call it motivation, mm -hmm. we want to find out first if, if this prospect that I'm talking to, are they a prospect or are they a suspect? Right. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so the way we do that is we, we ask them some motivational or some pain questions. Once we, once we figure out that, Hey, there's a lot, there's enough motivation here for us to move to the next step, which is finding out the budget, you know, whether it's buying a house or whether it's selling a product or whether it's selling a, a service, Right. Um, it, it's, uh, you can't just be in front of somebody and sell them a product or a service without knowing what the motivate, what, what is the motivation? What is the gain? What is the pain that they're buying the product for? Um, so I, the other thing too, is that once you do, uh, make the sale, right. That we have uh, sell, salespeople have a tendency to, you know, Hey, I got the sale. Boom. I'm out of here. Um, what we do is we don't actually get out of there. We, we try to figure out if there's something else that we miss. Right. So now that we got the now that we have the agreement filled, then this is how we do it. This is just an example for you guys. Now that the agreement is signed, you know, um, what, I mean, what is it? I'm oh, sorry. Now that the agreement is signed, Prince, what does this agreement mean to you? We want to make sure that you're committed, not only, you know, right now, but emotionally and, and, and also logically for the future. Because, well, guess what? Because once you leave, you know, there's such a thing called buyer's remorse, right? We all get it. You know, we want to buy that, those nice shoes. We buy them like, damn, I shouldn't spend that much money. <laughs> but then what, what happened? Like, then we're like, you know, we're okay a couple of days later. So those are really good. Those are two really good things to try to avoid is don't jump into price too soon without knowing if this is somebody that you want to discuss a uh, price with, right? A negotiation. And then, um, and once you do jump into negotiations, you know, I, for me, I'm always, I love always, uh, my, my, my thought is, uh, you know, the person that gives the number first loses. And so you have to figure out a way to get that number out of that person. Gotcha. Well, what's the most impactful book that you've read? I've seen you have quite the library, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I first started um, for Mindset, I read Think and Grow Rich. Think, mm -hmm. Think and Grow Rich by uh, Napoleon Hill. Um, that's a really good book that's changed the uh, you know, my mindset, it's, it's a book that I, that I, that got introduced, uh, that I got introduced to. Um, it's a book that I always recommend for people that, you know, want to, want to pursue a career in entrepreneurship, just because, you know, it, it helps to, you know, um, to understand like this things, you know, we have, a, a, a one of our core values is growth mindset, right? So you have to understand that book helps you understand that whatever you pursue in mind, it's not just about technique. It's not just about the actual vehicle, it, it has to do 80% of your mindset, right? Um, whatever you do. So that book is really, really good when it comes to that. 
Did you ever have a, a mentor throughout your journey? So the first three years, first three years, I didn't. Um, it was all books. Audio, it was all books, audiobooks, uh, webinars, you know, watching YouTube. My three, the three go-to guys when I was, or sorry, the, my, one of the mindset coaches that I had when I first started was Eric Thomas. You guys know Eric Thomas, don't you? The yeah. hip-hop preacher. Yeah. When he was first starting out, I, he was my mindset coach and it was free, free on YouTube. He had the podcast and I mean that he helped me out tremendously. I mean, you know, I, I, it was nonstop on my playlist. Um, you know, and then as, as you grow and as you develop and as you're able to afford a, you know, for you to get coached and, 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 and uh, pay for somebody to coach you, then you have to, you know, because the way I look at it is that it's like playing a video game, right? It's, uh, you know, the simplest way I can say Mario brothers, you start, you know, level one, it's easy, right? You learn how to jump, you learn how to do this level two is okay. As you level up and as you go through different, different levels, it gets a lot harder, what how what you did in level one is not going to work in level six or seven mm-hmm. and the only way to unlock those doors is by ha- hiring someone a mentor or somebody that's going to help you but again i didn't do that till about three 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 and a half years into my career is is this the ceiling for you and if not uh what what is like how far do you want to take you know your career you know, like, what's the ceiling for you? <laughs> Man, I, I don't even feel like I've done anything yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always, uh, and, and, you know, there's also a thing called, um, when you first start out, whether it's business, whether it's uh, this entrepreneurship journey, right? Um, any business, you always start out with the focus of, I'm in it to make money so I can gain freedom, right? That's, that's really the, 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 the mentality, as you as you actually grow and as you grow not only in your business but per, but personal development that changes right money now is now money gets out of the picture and 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 what happens is that now there's purpose and there's uh, you know new things come come by and like man i can make an impact here i can make an impact there whatever the case may be right uh and so for me right now, that's where I'm at. Like money right now is irrelevant. And, and I don't mean that in a way like I have all the money in the world. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just to keep score. That's really what it is now. There's more, there's a bigger purpose, right? And that bigger purpose is now because I am, you know, obviously I, um, I was born in Mexico and most of my family, you know, are from Mexico. So I'm actually first generation entrepreneurship that broke the rat race and got out of, uh, you know, got into financial freedom. So my job now, my focus now is to make sure that those, including my son and my daughter, that they don't, they don't actually go through what I went through. And now they're going to understand and leave that legacy for them. So now you move from money to purpose and then legacy. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and that gets, you know, right now I'm not, I'm going into that legacy phase. I'm not there yet. I'm moving in purpose right now. Uh, but it's just hard to tell, man. Like when is the end? I, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't answer that question. Right. I feel if as long as I'm in my purpose and it's aligning with my morals, and it's aligning with my core values. I mean, I, I'm good. I mean, I'm sleeping at night. <laughs> what are some of the best cities to get started in real estate? Um, what city are you guys in? I'm in New York. You're in New York. Where are you, Prince? Texas, Austin. Austin? Austin's a really good market. New York's a little tougher. Um, but I know uh, there's a guy out there that's wholesaling in New York. Uh, Austin's a little bit, you know, uh, look, your price range is a little, little on the lower end than New York. Uh, but Austin's a really good market. 
Uh, Dallas Fort Worth is a really good market. Uh, Oklahoma, that's another state. Um, let's see, Midwest, like you have, I know a lot of people who wholesale in, uh, go ahead. Tennessee. Tennessee is another great market. Yep. Yep. Tennessee is another good market as well, too. It just depends, right? Like your price points and all that. I mean, there's some markets that you do want to stay away from. Like in Chicago, you can't wholesale. You got to have a real estate license. Ohio, there's certain markets that you can't wholesale. Uh, Oklahoma, actually, never mind. Oklahoma just changed the law in December where you have to have a real estate license. So, um, but I would say, man, start in your own backyard before you consider like going out to, you know, another state. Because what I can tell you is uh, virtual, that's what it instantly it is, virtual wholesaling. It's not sexy, man. It's really difficult, um, but it's doable. But, you know, obviously, if you haven't started wholesaling in your backyard, I suggest that, you know, I tell, I tell everybody, like, that's probably where you should start. What is the number one rule when conducting business? Your number one rule? I would say integrity, man. You know what I mean? I think uh, if you violate integrity, um, you know, it violates everything else. Everything else don't matter at the end of the day. Got you, got you. Hopefully that answered that question. No, no, yeah, for sure, for sure. Integrity, oh. integrity is important in, in any situation. Yeah. Have, have you always had a knack for selling? Or did that something that you had to kind of learn and grow into? You know, um, I, I definitely had to learn, learn and grow into it. Uh, I the thing is that I, I had the, the, the passion for it. Like I wanted to learn it. Right. I wanted to get better. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew that in order for me to get better, I had to invest in it. Um, I, but I didn't grow up as far as like, Hey, I'm a sales guy for the whole time. Um, but I knew that, because of what I wanted to do, the only way I would get better is I needed to invest in my sales skills. Um, and, and that's like with everything, right? Um, you have to, who are the best, who are the highest paid people, right? Who are they? The actors, athletes, um, you know, why? Because they're always practicing. They're always investing. They're always doing. And that's the same thing, right? If you want to, you know, uh, uh, be a good salesman. I don't think you're born as a good salesman. Um, you might have some characteristics that might help. You know, maybe you, you're, you're more introvert, things like that. But honestly, those things don't matter. Like I always tell people like good people skills doesn't make you a good salesman. It just means that you can talk to someone to the death. <laughs> right. Uh, you got to learn how to ask for the sale. You got to learn how to, you know, uh, ask for the sale. Keep the keep the sales call going like, you know, things like that. And those things are not natural skills. You got to learn them. And my last question, what do you think is the biggest thing in sales that transitions over to real life? Um, I, for, for, for me, it's communication, learning, you know, learning to understand the other side, right? We always, we always say, uh, you know, you heard the saying is do unto others as you want, as you want them to do unto you. But the thing is that do unto others as they want you to do unto them because it's their world, right? And the only way you can understand that is by communicating and asking questions. And so I've learned that through my sales process. So now I translate over to, you know, you know, whoever I talk to, friends, families, right? Um, now, they're both right. But at the end of the day, when you're talking for me, when I'm talking to prospects, if I come in and I say, oh, I can pay, I can pay X amount. Oh, hey, Prince, I can get you this. I can get you that. And Prince is looking like, I've never told you that I wanted that. So see what I'm saying? Even though I think it's in goodwill and it's a good intention, that's not what he's asking for. So that's what we have to, you know, that, that, that translate, I've learned that lesson. Now it translates into 
understanding how to talk to my wife, how to talk to my son, how to talk to dif- different individuals by listening, right? And understanding their world. Mm. Treat others the way that they want to be treated. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that is all the questions that I have for you. I thank you so much for taking the time out. It means a lot. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Take care, gentlemen.